here George Whitfield spoke to 10,000 with no amplification, but uh, not me, so I need the mic. Uh, I, I don't know if you uh, have felt it at, uh, when I was doing Ephesians 6 and started, I, I read a, a bit from N.T. Wright, and uh, he says, uh, before you talk about uh, spiritual warfare, you should be prepared to experience it, uh, and you, you hear those kind of things. I have certainly felt it the last few weeks. Um, just the heaviness, the, the challenges, attacks, uh, as, we've, as we finished Ephesians. Um, we, we live in a world that it's marked by darkness, and sometimes it's more acute, and we feel it, and we sense it. And so I wanted to name that, and we're going to pray. And um, I, I Last week, sort of last minute, I, I had forgot to do it during the service, but I asked for prayer for our friends uh, Nancy and Tom Wheatley, uh, as they, uh, they are mentors in the faith, uh, godly, People in ministry, uh, Nancy is one of the wisest, most incredible people, but their uh, 28-year-old son had been missing for a couple weeks, and they had been out searching for him, uh, and um, found out this, they did find him this week, and he uh, is deceased, uh, and so it was a self-inflicted uh, wound, and so I, I share that discreetly, I know we have kids in the room, but um, it was like a gut punch uh, for us. And so they ask us if we would pray specifically for them. And so we're going to do that uh, as we pray for other things in the life of the church. Uh, I can't imagine as a parent uh, to have such news for your, your 20-something. So um, we're going to pray, and then we're going to read God's word, and we're going to trust ourselves to him, okay? Uh, Father, we thank you for... Thank you that we can uh, come before you wherever we are. Sometimes that's in joy, sometimes that's in sorrow, in grief, and questions, and doubts. And um, Lord, we know, we, we confess that the struggle is real, both the struggle in the world and the difficulties and the trials and the struggle in our own hearts. God, we believe, but help our unbelief. And Lord, I just pray, I, I don't humanly know how it would be possible, but your peace surpasses our understanding. And so I pray for Tom and Nancy and their other kids as they grieve uh, the loss of Joshua and the confusion of that. Pray for my own heart as I um, and my wife, uh, we think about that relationship and try to make sense of it and we can't and so we come to you and we pray for their family and their friends and just ask for mercy and grace would you be near you are near the brokenhearted they are brokenhearted would you be near to them we pray for needs in the life of the church uh, our office administrator Cindy's having surgery tomorrow, have her gallbladder removed. We pray for her and for her quick recovery. God bless uh, that process in the surgeon's hands that it will go well. Uh, we pray for Pastor Jerry as he continues to recover from his surgery and the procedures that he's going through. Would you be with him and his body, encourage him and his spirit as he goes through those trials and difficulties. We thank you for the good news of Tony Holiday going home from the hospital after Months in the hospital and rehab, we pray for his next round of chemo, that you would strengthen his body 
And God, you would fortify his soul, that he would withstand in the difficulty and the trials and the challenges he faces. Reminded today of our college students. We have a number of them, some here locally, some away. We ask you to be with them, to strengthen them in their battle and their struggle as they learn and grow academically, but as they live in a world and a culture where they're bombarded with so many temptations, so many things seeking to seduce and draw them from you, God, would you strengthen them? God, would you give loving people and churches and ministries to come around alongside them to support them? Would you open their, their ears and their hearts to you and to the gospel? Keep them, Lord, we pray. We ask for your hands, protection over them. We thank you for our little ones. We just saw run out of here. Lord, what a gift. And the two, two or three new, three new ones that just joined us in the last month, we, we rejoice and we ask you to help us as a church to be good stewards, to disciple, to pour in, to invest in these lives, that we would pass on the faith from generation to generation. We would tell them that our God is great and good, and that though we live in a dark and broken world, that the king is coming and will make all things new. God, would we have that message on our lips before our kids. Finally, we confess our inability to bring change, to bring good. Apart from you, we need you to speak to us, minister to us today through your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you rise uh, as we read God's word together? I promise we're going to get through Ephesians. Uh, we've been inching away. We're going to look at verse 18 to 20 today, but I'll read this to us. Maybe we'll have memorized it after our third week together. This is Paul, Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of, the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me, and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. The last two weeks we've spoken about this spiritual battle. Um, we've said that the hard part is to convince us in a modern age as educated people, sophisticated people to believe that there is a battle. Uh, certainly not popular among our peers to talk about the devil or demons doesn't win us any points. And yet Paul says, uh, two weeks ago we said there's an evil, there's a force against us. It says not against flesh and blood but against rulers 
authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, uh, the struggle is real. We can deny it, we can put our head in the sand, or we can open our eyes and see the struggle is real. And last week we said the only hope we have against the struggle is uh, God has loaned us uh, permanently. He has given us his armor, and we're to put it on, and that helps us to stand in him against the force. Enemies greater than us, but Jesus is greater than the enemy. So if we're in him with his armor in Christ, we can withstand the evil one. So today we're going to talk about uh, the role of prayer in the battle. Now, um, when you talk about prayer, no one came to church today and like, oh, the church is talking about prayer. It's not like a surprising topic. You, you're familiar with it. You know, you know it's a thing. You know we talk about it. You know we're supposed to do it. You know we have times of prayer during the service. And yet, if we're honest, uh, it's incredibly difficult, isn't it? We all struggle with prayer. Anybody want to be like, raise your hand like, I'm a great prayer. Maybe we'll let you and Charles and Martha, maybe we'll, we'll volunteer you who leads our prayer time. We all feel like we struggle with prayer, and part of the reason we struggle with prayer is we don't really understand what it is. We don't understand the nature of it. Here, Paul describes it, it's not another weapon. So we, last week we talked about six different weapons, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, sword of the spirit, uh, all that kind of stuff, shield of faith. Here, prayer, in the same line of thinking, comma, he goes on to prayer, but he doesn't use prayer as a, like a seventh weapon. But prayer is the thing that, that holds it all together. It's not another piece of armor, but prayer is described as the foundation and continuous activity that is crucial to the deployment of all other armor and weapons for the church. It is the piece that keeps it all together. So we can have the full armor on, all the tools we've been given, all the equipment, and yet if no prayer, it's useless. Prayer keeps us now, I don't know a lot about uh, military you know, strategy or battles, um, but I do know that communication is, is vital, right? If you don't have communication, if troops can't communicate with one another, if they can't communicate, communicate to the command center, if they can't communicate to the air, uh, folks in the air, uh, then, then it's chaos, it's destruction, uh, it's confusion, right? I mean, how many movies have you seen? We, we've lost communication, right? The, it's not working. We can't communicate. We don't know where the bad guys are. We don't know what to do. We don't know where our people are. We don't know if that's friendly fire or is that the enemy. We don't know. And communication is the key. Prayer is that communication piece in the battle. That famous quote from John Piper from years ago about prayer. He says this, prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie, not a domestic intercom to ring the butler to bring you another pillow. It is a wartime walkie-talkie to call in firepower because the enemy is greater than we are. You hear that? He says, he goes on to say, one of the reasons that we, we don't get prayer is that we've misused it. We've used it for the domestic reasons. We ring the bell, right? And so it malfunctions because that's not its purpose. It's meant for the battle. It's meant for the war. In the war, it makes sense, and we use it that way. But when we misuse it, it doesn't help us. And we'll talk later, yes, the little prayers matter. God hears all prayers. We'll talk about that. But the purpose of it is for the battle. It's for the war. And so we're going to talk about this idea of wartime prayer today. And look at see what Paul has for us. 
uh, first thing I want you to see is that prayer, um, this may sound funny at first, but prayer is life. Prayer is life. It's like breathing. It's, it's less about doing, and it's more about being, about living before God. It says this in verse 18. He's describing all the weaponry, and then he says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. The Spirit of God, as you, when you become a believer, indwells us. He lives within us. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't take vacations in the summer and go to the beach and leave you. He stays. He's here with us constantly. And prayer is the thing that we live with like we breathe. It's automatic. We pray. It becomes a part of us. All times, he says, in all ways. Uh, when you're in battle, and I've never been, but if you've been, I know my brother-in-law's been in Iraq and Afghanistan, you're, you're always in wartime mode, right? You're, in, you're, in, you're there. You're on the field. Now, you may be sleeping at night, but you're still in battle. You're aware of your circumstances. Pray at all times. I love the quote from G.K. Chesterton. He says this, you say grace, or, or prayer, you say grace before meals, all right. But I say grace before the concert and the opera, grace before the play and the pantomime, grace before I open a book, grace before sketching and painting and swimming and fencing and boxing and walking and playing and dancing, and grace before I dip the pen in ink. Prayer. Prayer is a way of life, all times, always. It doesn't exclude scheduled prayer. Some of us have devotional lives, right? We should. We get up, we're going to pray at this time. That's scheduled, structured, that's good. We have prayer time before church at 10 o'clock. You should come. It's a great opportunity to pray for the service. It's scheduled, so we can have intentional times. But as we live in a wartime mentality, prayer is as we go, is what we do. Now, we have a number of surgeons in here. As surgeons, as you go into surgery... I hope you pray beforehand. I hope you, when you're looking at the situation, as you're not sure, I hope you're praying. Maybe not audibly, maybe, but in your head. I hope you're done. You're praying, thanking God for the opportunity to get through, to make the right decision, to care for your patient. Teachers, you pray before your day, during your day. Uh, you're praying for patience with those little ones. After the day, you thank God that you made it through the day. Accountants, before you meet with your clients that you would be good stewards and help them with their money, stay-at-home moms, whatever we do, prayer becomes a part of who we are. And he's saying at all times and all ways, we're in the battle. The battle, we're, it's, not, it's not a break. It's not a ceasefire. So we're praying as we live, as we go. The only way we will see prayer this way is if we see prayer as our lifeline, right? It's the communication. We, we cannot go without the communication. We will be isolated. We will be separated from the other troops, from one another, and we will be destroyed. Prayer is not merely a duty. It's not something we do before a meal or something we do on Sunday. Um, it is not a little help to make life a little better in a, in a, in a pinch, but it is life. Prayer is life in the spirit. Second thing, pray with your eyes open. Prayer is life. Pray with your eyes open. He says, verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all supplication, or prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Again, 
Uh, you see the all word used four times. Prayer's life, right? All times, all prayer, all perseverance, all the saints, all of life is prayer. But he also says to be alert. There's a great book titled a few years ago, Richard Pratt, some of you may know it, Praying With Your Eyes Open. Now, some of you kids do that at dinner table, right? You open your eyes to see who else is looking. That's not what he means. The pastor said I could, right? No, it means that we're aware, we're alert to our circumstances. As we pray, we see, we observe what God is doing in the, wor- in the world. So we pray specifically, strategically. We, play, we pray militarily, right? Send in this airstrike there. We need it over there, right? We need more troops here. We've got the sick and wounded here. We bring, bring medics here. We need funds there. We need supplies here. We pray specifically because we're praying and we're aware of what God is doing in the world. And so we pray strategically. Targeted, he says. Be alert. Be awake. That word alert is the, from the verb to watch. Jesus says, watch and pray lest you be tempted, right? Do you remember those words? We're all tempted. We're lured to things. We're seduced by the world. We fall in love with things. So be alert. It's war. Be on guard. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. He says elsewhere, Jesus says, be on guard, be alert. Same word. You do not know when the time will come. It's the imagery of, of the guard watching the tower, and he's, he's tempted to doze off during the shift. Be alert. We don't know when they're coming. Be awake. Pray with your eyes open. Pray as the Lord leads. See what he's doing. What's he doing in your family, in your life, in your vocation, your calling? Pray with your eyes open. And then he says, making supplication for all the saints. Oh, before that, he says, with all perseverance. Excuse me, with all perseverance. Uh, if you've ever attempted prayer, and I'm assuming a few of you probably have, it's hard to do, isn't it? Like, prayer is hard. You, you pray, fall asleep, your mind wanders, you go, right? My encouragement to you is, if you're new to prayer or you're wanting to grow, start small and just small prayers, short prayers. We call them breath prayers. Just pray as you go. Pray. It'll, it'll give you the, the spiritual muscles, the muscle memory to pray, and you develop a discipline to persevere. But you won't do that if you don't know it's a battle. So that's the point. We're in a battle Our eyes are open. If your eyes are open, you can see the battle. So let's pray. What kind of prayers? Making supplication for all the saints. We need what what I call prayers of preparation. Paul has demonstrated those. Um, There's nothing wrong with with sort of reactionary prayers. You'll you'll look at the prayer list. Or we pray uh, for people that are sick. Uh, For those that are grieving, right, we pray for needs, someone's injured, and those are appropriate to do that. But we also, uh, we can't reduce prayer to just that. That's sort of reactionary. We need to pray for all the saints. We need to pray proactively into the world. With our eyes open, we do that. We pray for things like wisdom and insight and knowledge. We pray for spiritual health and growth. We pray for missionaries. We pray for the next generation. We pray for leaders, for those that serve. We pray for pastors. We pray for others in the community laboring. We pray. We pray. Strategic 
When you see places of darkness, pray into it. When you see uh, the darkness, the evil gaining ground in your own heart and life, target a strike in that direction. Send in the troops and pray in that place. You saw it, and God's providence, he showed it to you. You're aware of it. Pray into it. Pray into it. Paul models this in two, two places in Ephesians already. Ephesians 1, listen to what he prays. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers, that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Paul's praying for the church at Ephesus and for us by extension that we might know God. Do you pray that for yourself, for your kids, for your neighbors? We pray for their sickness. We pray for their kids. We pray for maybe our finances. Do we pray that we might know God? We might be strengthened? He goes on to say, pray that the eyes of their heart might be enlightened, that they might know what is the hope. Anyone struggle with hope? I must admit, when I heard that news this week about our friends, I struggle with hope. Do you know that feeling? Pray into that. Pray hope for each other. He goes on to say, pray for the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe. Pray for power, for strength. We have difficulties. We have trials. We need power. Pray it. Do your, I'm, I'm using this example. This is a great thing to pray for your family. When you're going to dinner and we don't know what to pray, we're going to pray for the meal, pray for the, for the chicken and the, you know, the spaghetti, whatever we're eating, and we're going to say, let's, let's just read Paul's prayer tonight. Let's just read this. Pray for these things. He goes on in chapter 3. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, that according to the riches of a glory, that he might strengthen you with power and the inner being, that your hearts might be full of faith, that you might be rooted and grounded in love, that you might know and comprehend with the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Do we pray like that? We pray for the test tomorrow. Praying for love doesn't seem like wartime, does it? It seems like peacetime. But if you've been a Christian very long, to engage, the battle is over identity, it's over temptation, it's over struggle, it's over belief. And if you don't know the love of God and rooted and grounded in Him, we got no chance. We got to get the troops healthy, right? We got we got to do training. We got to be in shape. We got to we got to know the love of God so grounded. Because whether you're in the battle presently feeling it now, you will tomorrow. And you're always living in a world that is against the things of God. If we've said nothing else, we've said that the last 2 weeks. To know the love of God, to be able to withstand, we must be prepared. We must pray with our eyes open. Be alert. Be watchful, Christian. Be watchful. Pray as life. Let it be the thing you do. Is that weird? Maybe. Is it what Christ did? Is it being a Christian? Yeah. And then pray with your eyes open. We don't cloister ourselves in in, in, in convents and monasteries away from the world. We, we live into the world and we pray. Finally, prayer is mission. Um, this last part of this passage is a specific prayer that Paul asked for himself. 
for himself. I'd love it for you pray this for me, pray this for one another. We have a lot to learn here. Verse 19, he says, and pray also for me. Pray for all the saints, but pray also for me that words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Twice he says, pray for boldness. I find that so encouraging. Why do you ask for prayer for something specific? I ask for prayer for patience a lot. You know why? Because I'm not very patient. We ask for prayer because we struggle with it. Paul, Paul here is both a request and a confession. Pray for boldness. The, the great apostle to the Gentiles, so many letters in the New Testament, is sitting there in a prison, a Roman prison, in house arrest, and he's struggling with being bold. He's struggling with his courage. He's not sure what to do. He is literally chained to guards. He has an opportunity often to speak to them. He may speak to other Roman authorities. It's likely he got a chance to speak to Nero, spoke to Caesar himself. And he's saying, uh, I need prayer for boldness. This word here for boldness, it implies courage, confidence, fearlessness, especially in the presence of high rank. Hear that? The word has that connotation. Paul's intimidated. <laughs> we may not speak to high rank, but do you ever feel intimidated? Christians, we have opportunities all the time as we live and do our job and our vocation, our families, our neighborhoods, uh, to speak on, on mission, to live with boldness, and we're scared to death. Are we not? I, I think we are. We're scared... We, um, there's opposition, things are uh, uncomfortable, things are hard. I hear all the time from younger folks, oh, it's just so awkward to do that. You hear that word? It's like a, is that a word? Is that a younger, awkward? Like, when did awkward become that bad? You know what I mean? We're talking about life and death and spiritual battle, but awkward's like the great thing. No one wants to be awkward or... What are people going to think about me? Like, oh, don't be awkward. Life is awkward. <laughs> we live in a broken world. It's not the way it's supposed to be. God made it. It's been ruined. He's remaking. It's awkward. It's difficult. Christian, pray for boldness to speak in, to live into it. We have the hope of life, the gospel. If we wanted to rattle off right now, we can name a million places we experience brokenness. We get to live into it. With this gospel message of hope. And it's with our words. It's with our deeds. Prayer is communication to God. Asking for freedom. Not from the circumstances. Paul didn't say for his confinement. I want to be freed from jail. I want to be freed from fear. So that I can engage the mission. I'm, I'm, I'm backing away from the mission and fear. Give me boldness. Not that I'm done with these chains, but that as I'm standing here chained, I will speak life as I'm in the office, at the job site, in the home. I will speak and live words of life. Paul says here, ambassador. He's an ambassador in chains. Paul is an ambassador in a unique way, but we're all called to be ambassadors, are we not? You remember 2 Corinthians, verse 5? Listen to this, Christian. 
If you're wondering about mission, Paul says this, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So we're reconciled to God, and he gave us the ministry of reconciling others. Ambassadors speak for one, one group to another. The, ambassador, the U.S. ambassadors to France represents the U.S., uh, in the French affairs, right? Or to Mexico, wherever it may be. They, they speak for U.S. to other countries. We've been reconciled to God. Now we have this ministry of reconciliation, he says. Therefore, we are ambassadors of God, though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So here's the deal. Do you realize when you go live your life, when we scatter after the service or after lunch, we're going into the world as ambassadors. How does Christ get to this person? How does the gospel get there? Through you, right? And yet we're scared to death, right? We're scared to death. Remember Peter? Three times denied Jesus. I'll never deny you. Three times. The third time was a a small little girl. You were with Jesus. I don't know who he was. To a little slave girl, right? This is Peter, the chief of the apostles. This is us. We're afraid. Paul's afraid. That's okay. Let's name that. And let's pray for boldness. Our mission does not change. We are ambassadors. But we begin with the confession that we are scared. We're scared. What are your colleagues going to think? Typically, the the more professional you are, the more we're afraid. (laughs) Right? The homeless people on the street are bold. We see them all the time around here. They're bold. They got nothing to lose. The more you move up in rank, the more the temptation is to not be, right? You know what I'm talking about. Paul says, pray. Pray. There's opposition. What's the solution? We can't conjure up boldness. We pray. So if we don't see the mission, we won't pray. But if we see the mission and we don't know that prayer is the the thing that that fuels it, we'll try to do the mission in our own strength. One of the things the staff uh, here, we've we've been reading a book on spiritual leadership. And almost every chapter hits on the same theme. So much of of church ministry and spiritual ministry is try to do Jesus' work without Jesus. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Did you know you can come to church to not deal with Jesus? It's very common. That's, That's what the Pharisees do. They do religious things but they don't want to deal with Jesus, right? We can come to church, and it prevents a pretty good cover to not deal with Jesus and the heart and the mission. We can run away as well. We can be here. We can be preaching without trusting. We can strategize for ministry, plan for ministry, organize for ministry, but not be dependent upon the Lord. How do we combat that? We realize what we've said the last three weeks. It's, it's a war. The enemy is greater than we are. Do, do, you, do you start with that confession? The enemy is greater than you are. You've been given armor that God has given to you. He's, he's handed to you. You put it on, and then you pray that he would allow you to stand in the evil against the challenges, against the trials, against the struggles. Good news is the Holy Spirit doesn't take breaks. He doesn't slumber nor sleep. He's not caught off guard. He's always there. He's always present. He's prompting us. So prayer is all of life. Prayer is 
aware of our situations. Prayer is the thing. If we want to do any ministry or any good here at this place, for the city, for the world, it must be fueled by prayer. I want to finish with uh, reading a brief passage. This is from Jesus the night he was betrayed. Listen to this. This is from Luke 22. And he came, that's Jesus, came out and went uh, as it was custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to this place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. This prayer, this charge is not something I'm making up. It's not something that hasn't been modeled for us. Um, Jesus prayed when the disciples wouldn't. They fell asleep. I fall asleep. Jesus agonized, so he prayed. Jesus requested to the Father, would this cup of wrath and death be removed from me? He prayed that, but guess what? His prayer was not answered. Why would his prayer not be answered? He's perfect. Why why would the Son of God, he prayed, can you allow this cup of wrath to pass from me? These guys aren't any help. They're asleep. And you know what the answer was? It was no. It was no. Why did God the Father not answer his prayer? He didn't answer his prayer so he could answer your prayers. Who's going to go into the darkness? Who's going to take the curse? Who's going to taste death and hell and the grave? Are you bold enough to do that? No way. Am I? No way. Who's strong enough? Who's morally pure enough to be around evil and not be compromised? That's why we're so afraid of our kids at college. What if they're around that environment? They're going to succumb to it, right? Jesus stands in the darkness and he's not compromised. In fact, He overcomes the darkness for us. He was not answered so that heaven would be opened up. In resurrection, now we have the ear of God, the holy of holies. We can come before him and we can pray for our little cuts on our feet, little ones. And we can pray for big things and big prayers and spiritual growth and life and difficulty and faith and hope. He died with unanswered prayers so that we would have the privilege of praying. I I grew up in a somewhat of a legalistic environment and prayer was this dutiful thing, you know, check the box, don't be the be the good kid, do the right stuff, get your list out. Um, There's a place for duty for sure. There's a place for prayer list we need then. Um, But our prayers are purchased by the blood of Christ. It's a privilege. To not pray is to leave ourselves susceptible to the enemy. 
to isolate us, pulls us away. And like a roaring lion, we, let, we read last week, seeking to devour. It's a battle, friends. Prayer is a privilege for our good and for God's glory. 